Hello, this is Pastor Brandon Fender, and I'd like to welcome you to another transforming message from right here at Living Way Church. I believe that your life will be impacted by the words you hear today. For more faith-based content, check us out on all social media outlets. Now let's go live into the message. On Pentecost through the ages, some people are afraid of that word Pentecost, but it's a scriptural word, and the reason why people are afraid of it is because there's been a lot of craziness associated with it. People in the Appalachian area of this country that handle snakes and all of that and call themselves Pentecostal. But you've got to be very careful that you don't just give something away because somebody misuses it. And so it's a wonderful, beautiful word, just like the word gay. That's a great word. I'm not giving it away. Just because they march through the streets of New Orleans uh, at Mardi Gras and they're a little intoxicated singing when the saints go marching in, I'm not going to give that away. Just because somebody trespasses on the things of God, don't surrender them. And so Pentecost is a wonderful word because it is emblematic of the Holy Spirit. And more than anything in our life, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to let you sit down. God bless you. Pentecost through the ages, part four. This world is in trouble. And the world is in trouble because the church must be the light of the world. And the light of the world, the church has been extinguished. We're not light enough. We're not salty enough. We're not powerful enough. I talked about Pentecost through the ages. That in the Old Testament, it was a prophecy. Jesus Christ embraced it and talked about it often. It was a promise. But in the book of Acts, it became a possession. And in our generation, it is to become a power. Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8, After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, not before, not before, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall have power. The trouble with this world can only be resolved by the church. And it can only be resolved if we become a powerhouse, endued with God's holy power. If there's one thing that I could preach to you, I want you to get all of the Bible and all of the principles. If there was one thing that I could teach to you and have you to embrace, say, what would it be? Would it be prayer? Would it be praise? Would it be church attendance? Would it be tithing? Would it be love? The number one thing that I would preach to you is that you seek and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You said, why? You said, because the Bible said after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you'll have power. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. If you receive the Holy Spirit, I promise you, it will lead you into all of these truths. The Bible said, you know, when we talk about love, we must operate and walk in love. Did you know the Bible said that the love of God is shed abroad by the Holy Ghost? So every Christian is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that all of the epistles, everything from the book of Acts to the, to the back of the Bible was written by people that were Holy Ghost filled? Not only that, it was written to people that were Holy Ghost filled. And the problem with the church is we're trying to teach people that do not have the Spirit how to walk in the Spirit. You can't walk in the Spirit if you don't have the Spirit. You must be filled with the Spirit of the living God trying to teach the principles of the epistles without 
without the power of the Holy Spirit in their life is trying to, like trying to teach etiquette to a pig. It just doesn't work. You say, why does it work? Because the Bible said we are to be regenerated. That is flesh is opposed to that which is the Spirit. And so all of the teaching that we do, if you're doing it from carnality, it will be adverse to you. In order to receive the teaching of God's Word and the principles of the epistles in the Bible, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit or it will just be something you say, I don't understand. That can't happen to me. And so God said on the day of Pentecost, you know what the day of Pentecost was? And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there came a sound as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared cloven tongues like as a fire, and set upon each of them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. And Peter said on that day, this is that. That that he was prophesying about is what Joel prophesied about when he said in the last days God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. It's going to be a supernatural event. Christianity differs from every other religion because it is a supernatural experience. It's not philosophical. Every other religion is philosophical. But Christianity is supernatural. But it's not supernatural outside the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when you see the book of Acts, realize Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the church. That's where it happened. You know, to get it, to understand the Word of God, you just really need to break it down in simple things. When you read the Old Testament, that's simply God dealing with Israel. And who is Israel? Israel are the Jews. And why was God dealing with them? Because He made a covenant with Abraham, the father of the Jews. And so that's what the Old Testament is. It's God dealing with Jews, and it's the promise for the future church that was coming. And then there's the life of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But still, the church has not begun yet. The church does not begin until the day of Pentecost. And that's when the Holy Ghost fell. That was the beginning of the church. And God never intended for there to be a group of people calling themselves the church or Christians on the face of the earth that were not spirit-filled. God intended for every one of us to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it happened on the day of Pentecost. It was phenomenal. That meant for the first time in the history of humanity, God was not on people. God was in people. When the Holy Ghost comes inside of you, the difference is He's no longer on you, but He's in you. In the Old Testament, He said, I'll take that old heart out and I'll put a new heart in. He said, you'll be born again. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. So that happened on the day of Pentecost. The church was began by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then it continued this way. The Bible said in Acts 10, that Peter went down to the household of Cornelius and began to preach. He took Jews with him, and as he began to preach, it's my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell. And that is my desire. I want to see the church of the living God in this last day, and I believe it's going to happen. I've seen it happen. I've seen as many as two or 300 people receive the Holy Spirit without an altar call when I was preaching. It would just fall in the audience while I was preaching. But I believe as we see the day of the Lord approaching, that's going to happen more and more. The Holy Spirit is just going to fall. But it was the Holy Spirit 
that showed the world that the church was made up of all believers, not just converted Jews, but whosoever will. Because the Jews that were with Peter had forbid that the Gentiles be welcomed into the church. They said it's just going to be a Jewish church. We're back to that age-old problem called racism. And so the Jews were racist. They said Gentiles are a filthy people. Everybody that's not Jewish is dirty and filthy, and they can't come into God's kingdom. And that's the reason why it was so significant that Peter preaching to the Gentiles, the Holy Ghost fell. The Bible said we saw them receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues as we did in the beginning in Acts chapter 2. We saw it. So Peter, after they'd received the Holy Spirit, turned to the Jews that were denying them entrance into the kingdom of God through racism and bigotry. He turned to them and saying, seeing they have received the Holy Spirit the same as we did, can any man forbid water? Now we try to solicit people to be baptized in water. But in the New Testament, in the first days of the New Testament, the Jewish believers were saying, Gentiles are not worthy to be baptized. It goes back to that over and over again. I was raised in churches that were very legalistic. And so they would say certain people were not worthy to receive salvation. They, weren't re they, weren't, they were not worthy to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It used to, and I had major revivals all over this country for a dozen years traveling. And it would always frustrate those old Pentecostal people because of the people that were getting saved. They would get saved with cigarettes in their pocket. They'd get saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, with drug syringes. And the people that were already there were saying, these people can't receive it. They've still got sin. Friend, let me explain to you. None of us are worthy for salvation. I don't care whether you're Jew, Gentile, black, white, yellow, brown, young, old, rich, poor, who your parents were. You are not worthy of salvation. It is a free gift given by God, the gracious Heavenly Father. And that's the reason why in the book of Revelation, you see them worshiping Jesus Christ. And you know what they're saying? Worthy is the Lamb. You're saved not because you were worthy. I'm not saved because I'm worthy. I am saved because the Lamb paid the price. And the door was open. And it was open not just to the Jews. It was open to the Gentiles. And Peter turned to those Jews and said, Seeing they have received the Holy Spirit, you racist. He didn't say that, but that's what he meant. He said, Seeing that they have received the Holy Spirit, can any man forbid water? And they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This happened over and over and over in the book of Acts. And now we come to the end time. The Holy Spirit not only was prophesied about, promised by Jesus, received by the disciples, but it is also the inheritance of the end time. That's where we are today, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know whether you caught the, the, the terrible thing that happened in Dodger Stadium this week when they mocked the Catholic Church and Christianity in general and the drag queens were there. It was just terrible. It was terrible. I don't know whether you saw what happened in the White House 
with the spectacles there, with nudity and the drag queens in our White House. We, friend, are living in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's revisited us just like the Bible said it would. But we need not be fearful. What we need to be is more spiritual. Because when you receive the Holy Spirit, you are a new individual. You are no longer limited. When God gives you the Spirit, the Bible said about Christ receiving that Spirit, He was given the Spirit without measure. You might have accepted Christ as your personal Savior. You might have shook the pastor's hand. You might have been baptized. But if you have not received the Holy Spirit, you have received whatever you have received with measure. But when you receive the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spoke he of the Holy Ghost, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. What is he saying? He's saying, once you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive what I have, the same Spirit that dwell in Christ. If it dwell in you, it will quicken your mortal body. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you've got the same Spirit that was in Christ. It quickened his mortal body. The grave couldn't hold him. Folks, if you truly get filled with the Holy Spirit, you will have a power in you that's greater than the power that's in this world. No matter how anti-Christ it is, what's in you is greater. You won't have to fear the decadence of this society. You won't have to fear the demonology that is around us, you will say, I am filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and I am greater through Christ than anything on this earth. I can endure anything. I can conquer anything. I can overcome anything. I'm filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when you look at the news on television, and God forbid you'd have a newspaper and read it, but you'd see some dire report, and you'd say, it's over. It's through. It ain't about over. It's not over till now. Not only does God say the last thing, God does the last thing. And what God does is God's going to work through who? Us, the church of the living God. The church of the living God is not going to be a quiet little anemic thing that meets at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning and goes back to their house and huddles in fear. The church of the living God is going to be a mighty army with banners. And the banner of us is love. And love conquers all. Love never fails. But it's shed abroad by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, I am filled with the Holy Ghost. How many can put your hand in the air and say, Pastor, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Almost all of you. Pastor Brandon is baptizing record numbers of people at 11 o'clock and also on Wednesday night. He's having records of number of people receive the Holy Spirit. We're not doing that in this service because most of you are already saved. You're already baptized. You're already filled with the Holy Spirit. But this I say to you, that what's in you is not there just to dwell in you. It's there to flow out of you. You hold in the palm of your hand the destiny of your family and the destiny of your friends and the destiny of your society. And ladies and gentlemen, it's time we wake up the Holy Spirit. Stir up the Holy Spirit that is within us, the Bible said. Quench not the Holy Ghost. We need to become prayer machines. We need to become praise evangels. We need to become witnesses, torpedoes, where everybody knows these people are different because we have got the Holy Ghost. Because the Bible gives us promises for the last days that it never made to any other generation. Ladies and gentlemen, church of the living God, we have got promises that nobody else has ever had. And we need to seize those promises and we need to unwrap it. I've told you about my daddy. 
I miss my daddy on Father's Day. I wished I could see him on this earth one more time. But he was aggravated. This would be Father's Day. If my dad was still alive, I would take him a nicely wrapped gift, and I would give it to him, and he would greet me, and we'd talk, and we'd have a conversation, and he'd put that gift by his chair. And when I went back on Monday, it'd still be there, unopened, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and finally I'd have to get ugly. Daddy, open your gift! I don't know why he did that. I think he just did that to frustrate me. Folks, I'm going to tell you what. God wants you to open your gift. The most gifted people in San Antonio are sitting on these pews today. Do you know how much God loved you? He not only saved you, He deposited in you the gift of the Holy Spirit and all of its attributed gifts, and God wants you to open up. God wants you to become an evangel because the God said in the last days, uh, Jesus prophesied this. This is an amazing thing Jesus said. Jesus said that in the last days, greater works than I have done, you're going to do. Wow. Did you know Jesus said that? Jesus said you're going to do greater things than I did when I walked this earth for three and a half years. What does that mean? Well, just look what Jesus Christ did. Jesus opened blind eyes. Jesus unstopped deaf ears. Jesus healed crippled limbs. Jesus brought prostitutes to Christ and made women evangelists. This is a good point. You know, so many people, I don't want to call people's names, but they've made a big deal the last year and the Southern Baptist has, uh, has kicked some of their churches out because they got women pastors. I saw some, I wish I'd have said this, but this solves the whole deal about women preachers right here. One guy wrote and he said, how come Jesus carried the word for nine months? And he, how come Mary carried the word for nine months and she can't carry the word today? Pretty good question. If God entrusted Mary to carry the word of God for nine months, I'm pretty sure, Glory, he entrusted you to carry the word everywhere you go. Preach the gospel. Tammy, preach the gospel. Reba, preach the gospel. In this last days, it's going to be amazing. God is going to use you for miracles. We go to the hospitals now, and we pray for people, and we're having healings. But ladies and gentlemen, it's not far off. It could be today that our healings are going to turn to miracles. Praise God. Sister Jennifer, when we lay hands on them, it's not going to be a gradual healing. It's going to be a stand-up miracle. It's going to be a stand-up. Oh, praise God. There's coming a day in the last days. If we will let the Holy Spirit be who He wants to be in the church, we're going to go to the hospitals and walk out with the patients. They're going to go with us in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. A friend of mine in Carolina had a great church. He was preaching one Sunday morning, and one of his main guys wasn't that old, maybe 60 years of age. One of his ushers fell out in the aisle, 
just like that. And the nurses came in the congregation. They said, he's not breathing. He's dead. The ambulance came. They rushed into the hospital. My friend, the pastor, said to the assistant pastor, finish the service. I'm going with him to the hospital. Before they could conclude that service, before they could conclude that service, that pastor and that man came walking back. And they had in his hands an announcement that he was dead. But praise God, he walked right back in that service. That's a rare event, but it's not going to be rare long. You've got the Holy Ghost, the same spirit that was in Christ. You need to shake yourself, rouse yourself. You say, well, I'm not sure I can do it. Try. How many people can ride a bicycle? Did you fall over the first time you rode the bicycle? Sure you did. I remember learning to ride a bicycle. The way I learned to ride the bicycle was we had a porch at our house. It was about the height of this platform. And so there wasn't anybody out there to help me. And so what I would do, I'd jump on that and push it off. And then I'd fall over out there. And I did it over and over and over and over. And one day I didn't fall over. One day I was pedaling. And the next day I was riding all over Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Indiana, praise God. I rode right out in front of a Chevrolet car. 53 Chevrolet hit me broadside as fast as it was going, knocked me. I don't know how far. I just got up and dusted off and checked my bicycle out. God's always had his hand on me. But praise God, the point is, I learned to ride the bicycle. You say, well, I don't have that kind of power. Yes, you do. You just don't know how to use it. You have not so learned Christ. You need to learn to read Christ. Christ is not just a consolation to you that you're going to be saved when you die. Christ is the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You are a devil killer. You are a devil chaser. You are a sin remitter. You are a life giver. You can change everything you touch in the name of Jesus. You ain't near what you're going to be. You've got everything you need. But praise God, you're going to start learning to use it. Practice a little bit. You say, well, I would, I'd be embarrassed if I prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed. Embarrassment is really good for your flesh. It will humble your flesh and let your spirit fly. Get embarrassed once in a while by failing, trying to do something for Christ. That's not, the sin is not failing and the sin is not trying. God has given you the power. We are a Holy Ghost church. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. We can do what everybody else can't do, praise God. We have got the power of the living God. I'm expecting to begin to hear about miracles on your workplace and in your job and in your school. God has sent you as an apostle. Say, so, well, I, you know, I think that's just for the pastor. That developed because pastors are egomaniacs. And they want to get credit for everybody that gets healed. Brother Freddie Parham, my friend, he told me that he went to Ireland and he prayed for three women that could not conceive. He went back a year and a half later. All three of them had children and said they came up to him and said, Pastor, you prayed for us and we can see we've been trying for years to have children and we couldn't. And he said the pastor wouldn't speak to me because he felt like his saints was putting too much honor on me. Preachers are egomaniacs. I can tell you that right now because I'm one of them. We got to bring our flesh under. Friend, it doesn't matter whether Brother Warren lays his hand on him or whether Brother Michael lays it. When that cancer's gone, I'm not going to give the praise to Brother Warren or Michael. I'm going to give the praise to Jesus Christ. So we don't care who prays for you. 
Praise God. We had a man in this congregation one time. He wasn't even an elder. He's just a good Holy Ghost filled brother. We sent him right over here in Live Oak to pray for a man that had cancer. And God healed that man of cancer. He didn't know anything about God. He didn't know anything about the church. He came to this church and wrote us a check for $50,000. And people said, oh, Pastor Vendor's really busy. I didn't even know the man, never seen the man, never touched the man. It was just one man out of this congregation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not about glorifying the flesh. This is about letting the Holy Ghost flow through us. God wants to give you a ministry. You ought to get a reputation that when you pray for people, they get well. When you pray for people, they get saved. Why? The same Spirit, the Holy Ghost, that was in Christ is in you. You are supernatural. And the church and the community and people have tried to hold you down, but you need to get up and say, I ain't going to be hold down no more. I'm going to get up. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to go to the highways and the byways and work miracles in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time the church became the church. If we don't rise up, America doesn't have a hope. But if the church will rise up, praise God. We've got thousands of people that come living away church. If just 10% of those people would let the Holy Ghost work in their life, we'd be on the news overnight. Look what's happening. God is more than able. God is more than able. I preach and I tell big stories. And every story I tell is an exception to the rule. But I wanted to get where the rule is there and the exception is the thing I don't tell. That God just heals people. God saves people. God delivers people. God heals people of AIDS. God opens their blind. Wouldn't it be something today? Diana has brought her mother and daddy here today. I love these people. They're wonderful people. I just love them. I love to see them. I love to hug them. But her daddy has lost most of his sight. Wouldn't it be something today if he received his sight in his building, Diana? Second, God do that oh yes he can say well what are we waiting for that's the problem God is waiting on us we're not waiting on God God's in this room right now if you're in this building and you need a miracle I would tell you run don't walk to this altar and say I want the power of the living God to work a miracle in my life in Jesus name